Welcome to People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose is a podcast of inspiring people whose stories help you see things differently, live with intentionality, elevate the way you participate in the world, and take the necessary leaps in your life to seek and find your passions. Come with us and develop the courage to wholeheartedly pursue your purpose and unleash your truest potential. I'm not here to find the solutions for them. I'm just here to explore what, what solutions they can see for potential, you know? And that's how we try and work the work. I don't think I came to them with like, I have solutions. I think I came to them as I was confused why they were failing my class. Why are you failing my class? Why are you failing out? You're a smart kid. You're failing my class. I like you. I'm not your enemy. What's going on? Ashanti Branch, a pioneering force in education reform and youth mental health with over 18 years of impactful experience, leads the Ever Forward Club, empowering marginalized students to graduate from high school through emotional tools. He's a global influence. He's a Fulbright Fellow, four times TEDx speaker, and creator of hashtag Million Mass Movement for anonymous self-reflection at www.millionmass.org. As EFC's founder, Ashanti Branch tackles dropout rates. Consulted by the U.S. Surgeon General's Office on youth mental health, his impact includes South by Southwest, CNN, the Mask You Live In documentary, fostering safer schools through mentorship, safe spaces, and emotional tools that result in 100% graduation, 90% higher ed enrollment, and 0% incarceration. EFC's Adventure Card Game, a youth-oriented emotional tool, and hashtag Million Mass Movement, acclaimed by the Anthem Award, inspire global change. Ashanti's crucial work addresses the youth mental health crisis, emphasizing accessible help amid unprecedented challenges. Welcome back to another thought-provoking episode of People of Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Tanner Badgley, and today we have Ashanti Branch, a truly inspiring guest who is reshaping the landscape of education, youth mental health, and personal growth. Get ready to dive into a conversation that explores transformation, authenticity, and the power of connecting with our emotions. Today, we're delving deep into a range of topics that Ashanti Branch holds close to his heart. We'll explore his journey of transforming education and the profound impact of building authentic relationships. From a surprising career transition from engineering to teaching to the impact of an absent father, our conversation will uncover the layers of Ashanti's insights. We'll also take an in-depth look at the Ever Forward Club and its innovative approach to nurturing students' emotional well-being. And of course, we'll explore the heart and soul of the hashtag Million Mass Movement, a movement that's shedding light on the importance of emotional authenticity and mental health. So whether you're an educator, a student, a parent, or anyone passionate about making a positive impact on young lives, this episode is bound to leave you inspired and empowered. Get ready for the insightful conversation that uncovers the potential within each of us. Without further ado, let's dive in to Unmasking Potential, empowering through education, authenticity, and the hashtag Million Mass Movement with the remarkable Ashanti Branch. Here's to becoming people of purpose. Hello, Ashanti, and welcome to People of Purpose podcast. Wonderful to have you here. Coming from California early in the morning. Blessed to have you here. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks for your patience, you know, and me getting here in the in the studio here. I appreciate you so much. Absolutely. It gave me a little bit of extra time to get to dive deeper into research and you got to watch like a, your TED Talk, got to look at your hashtag more closely. I think it's going to make for a more enriching interview. Well, thank you, man. Well, I, I, I told you, I said, you know, I want to make it. Yeah, like I, I have high expectations of myself, you know, so being late is is a challenge for me. So I think for me is like, 
I don't want to waste people's time. I don't want to have people waiting. And also I feel, I feel like sometimes I, when I have somebody like waiting for me, like it feels like I'm like a, like a problem. And it's, it's, it's that's old stuff. That's old recording stuff. That's not, that's not new. That's not just new. That's not just here. That's just like, yeah, I'm a kid. Like, how do you not be a burden? How do you not be a problem? And so I'm constantly like checking in myself, like, okay, this is this some of that old stuff that's popping up, you know, the feeling stuff, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but thanks for, thanks for uh, being patient. Cause, uh, I had to get from my home to my studio to here, my office. And that was a lot of traffic this morning here. School started back. So every parent and teacher are on the freeway now, I don't have a clean sail into the office anymore. So now it's like, okay, you need more time, you know? Mm. It's really fitting that you're talking about some of these like feelings and this re- these programming from your past and stuff. That's like what your topic is. It's like sharing what's actually behind the mask and not just, you know, putting on a mask and saying everything's cool. Yeah. Well, I, thank you. Thank, well, you know, it's always that moment where like, do I just act like everything was just like smooth? We just like started recording or it's like, oh, wait, there's stuff that happens in people's lives that make uh, the start. You could just like name it or you could just ignore it. Right. And I think yeah. um, I'm trying to feel the ways of how to be more more real, right? That I do I my think best. Things, to- uh, things get to a really good place if you can meet people where they're at, yeah. feel together, and then move forward from that. That's right. That's right. That's right. Sweet. So what are you doing with your life? You, uh, you're you now like, a, you know, you've built a whole little foundation going on. You got <laughs> keynote speeches. You're on large like uh media outlets like uh what are you what are you focusing on what's your like what's your week what's your month kind of look like right now yeah you know it's it's a heavy it's a big season so school starting back so um ever forward you know i run this nonprofit where we are really trying to transform how schools work mm-hmm. and especially for the ones that don't work we know that a lot of the problems that happen in schools a lot of times are about relationships about students not having a relationship with a trusted adult about Adults not really understanding what kids are going through. So they're operating as subject matter professionals only and not relationship scientists as they should be. And I think that uh, we want to transform that. I've, I've been I've been a bad student and I've been a really good student, you know, so I've been a teacher, bad teacher. I've been a good teacher. I've been a mentor. Mm-hmm. I've been a principal. I've worked in schools on all levels. And I and I think I identify with those kids who struggle the most. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of adults don't often identify either identify with those kids or even like those kids. I, I I enjoy those kids, right? I think they're amazing, and they just haven't found how school benefits them sometimes or why they should care. And so our work is th- so. Let's say this week, I think about this week, uh, Monday. I don't even know what day it is. It's Thursday, right? So <laughs> I've been. Um, <laughs> I had a workshop with um on the peninsula. I'm in the Bay Area, so I had a workshop at Peninsula at a school district. Did the openings keynote for that school district and then tuesday i was presenting in la in inglewood and um and that was a beautiful training and then yesterday i was in the office you know catching stuff up and then today i'm here but we have one of our clubs kicking off today in the afternoon so the season the year the year starting off which means our work is kicking in right and so a lot of workshops in schools assemblies um and really building out this cohort for young people that's about building connection right the young we started an academy called the Social Emotional Leadership Academy. And mm-hmm. that was for young men in high school. It started during the pandemic, um, during 2020 summer. I saw some young men that to have them at home all summer stuck in the house was not going to be a healthy experience. And we know that we couldn't really do a lot in person, but we would at least make some space for us to come together and just like vent, you know, 
decompress saying, what, what, what are we going through? What are you going through? What are you feeling? And that's been the work. And so, um, you know, this year we're kicking it off in the fall. We didn't have a summer experience. We had some, some young people we did stuff with in the summer, but not an official program. And now our official program is kicking off. Now the school is starting. So it's a lot. It's really, it's exciting. Uh, the Million Mask Movement, that's the, when you talk to the hashtag, the Million Mask Movement is a global campaign. We started about emotional masks, like what is happening behind what you can see on the outside, right? Like, you know, when we first started, we could have just been like, hey, let's pretend like nothing happened. And we can just say, hey, how you doing? Good morning. Everything's fine, right? But I, for me, what's happening with me in this present moment is a combination of everything that's happened to me before this moment, right? And I have a choice to either say, here's where I'm going to be focused on. And I think it's important to have focus. And I think it's important to even name sometimes the things that are, that we bring into the table when we come mm-hmm. to situations. Sometimes it's not necessary, but this morning on the way here, I was listening to Dr. Wayne Dyer and he was talking about the metaphor of the orange. Like, you know, if you squeeze an orange, no matter how hard you squeeze it, you're going to expect something's going to come out, right? Mm-hmm. Probably should expect that orange juice is going to come out of there. You're not going to get apple juice and grapefruit juice. You're not going to get no lime juice. You're going to get an orange. And so what's happening with, I think, with a lot of people around the world and definitely here and where I live in the Bay Area, like people are acting out in really ugly ways. Like our young people are struggling. We have kids breaking into cars while they're on the freeway. We got kids, We, I mean, kids, young people, young adults, like teenagers, like, and there's just a lot of anger and rage and harmful behavior coming out. I think some of it can be trained. You can be like, oh, you're a good person. Let me train you to be a very bad person. (laughs) But I also believe that there's some things that are happening inside people that is now coming out in such an unhealthy way. And our communities, and everybody has their own community, what's happening in your community? Here's what I know about young men around the world. And definitely that's how our work started with teenagers, young men, is that they were struggling. They walk around like everything's fine. Like I'm good. That's what this shirt is about. I'm fine. Mm -hmm. On the outside, I'm good. I'm cool. Everything's great. I'm laughing, I'm giggling, I'm funny, I'm an athlete, I'm whatever. And where do we get to talk about when we're not fine? Where are the spaces that they had to talk about when things were struggling and suffering and painful and sad and relationship issues and friendship issues and all that? Well, in my community, you're not allowed to talk about it, so you stuff it. And they were stuffing it and stuffing it, and they were coming to my class, and, hey, I'm a, I'm a, I like math, I love my job, I like kids, I like, hey, I'm here to support you. And they wanted to fight with me. I'm like, what's going on here? I'm not your enemy. Why you? Why you want to argue with me at eight o'clock in the morning? Like <laughs> I, I didn't do that. I didn't do that to you. I just got here. Why are you mad at me already? And it wasn't me. It was all the stuff in their life they couldn't deal with. They needed someplace to take it out. And man, you're a good target, Mister Teacher Guy, who yeah doesn't go home with me. So you don't. You can't. You know. You can only do so much to me by sending me out. You can just kick me out of class. Is all you can really do. So you can just mess up my grades, and I don't care about my grades anyway. So. I could take it out on you. And then, but I, I wasn't willing to be like the the landing board of all their stuff. Not just with not just taking it and being like, let me take all these darts all day long. And I'm like, what's going on? And what I realized for them, there was stuff behind that outside that but outside the new shoes and the new backpack and the fancy hats, there was mm-hmm. human with a heart. And so that's how our work began, you know, back in 2004. And we're about to hit our 20 year anniversary next year. So it's been a wild journey. And so that's what that's what's happening in my days and weeks and months and uh and this and this adventure we're creating to, you know, help people around the world. Love it. Yeah, that's really cool. You got a really colorful life going on right now. 
Yeah, I don't know if you knew about me, but uh, I used to live in the Bay Area and I was a teacher at KIPP Bayview Academy. I did the teacher residency program through KIPP, which got me like a master's degree and I was teaching middle school students. So I can relate to a lot of those things, like the early morning animosity and just unnecessary like purging of, you know, <laughs> their feelings on others. And yeah, it's really important work that you're doing to help people to figure out how to actually process things and grow through it and move forward and be a better man and better young adult and all those sort of things. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I didn't, I didn't know you were at KIPP. I, I applied to KIPP or no, I got the paper that tells you about teachers at KIPP. And I was like, there ain't no way. The the amount of work they put y'all through. Dude, it was crazy. <laughs> it was <laughs> the hardest working year I've ever had. It was <laughs> One year master's program plus full time in the classroom. The second half of the program, I was like the main teacher building all the lesson plans. <laughs> yeah, it was no sleep, skipping dinners. I also lived on my bike because I lived in San Francisco and oh, didn't man. have a car or afford a car. And so it was a full on life. Yeah. Live, breathe, sleep, school and kids and doing this work. Oh, mm, thank you. Well, thank you for doing it. And yeah, you know, imagine that. Imagine that situation, right? Like we all have our different journeys, but also like when I think about people who work at KIPP, I'm amazed because when I saw the the, the when I saw the sample outline of what the day looks like, I was like, there ain't no way. I mean, I probably worked that hard anyway, but if you expect me to like work from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., you expect that. That's on a document you printed out and handed to me as a prospective teacher. Like if I'm already going to work hard myself and you already have an expectation I'm working 11 hours a day, th this ain't going to work. This ain't going to be a healthy relationship. So I was clear that <laughs> I'm not even applying. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll take this paper. I'll store it away somewhere. But yeah, I'm good. So uh, I'm, I'm, in awe, I'm in awe of any teachers who work in yeah. those kind of um, environments because teaching is hard by itself. Just the, the teaching job itself. And then to be like, well, we're going to expect you to do extra, more than extra and extra and extra. Seems, yeah, seems like kind of burn yeah. through people. I think what's interesting about your your journey is that you had the successful engineering career first. And most of the teacher friends I had, like, this is what people stumbled into after <laughs> undergrad or whatever. They didn't have some, like, higher paying, more cushy type of job that had more security to it. So you went the opposite <laughs> direction. I'm really curious, like, what was behind oh, that man. Well, 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 to be honest, there was not much thought in it. There was there was if there was more thought, I probably uh, would have probably had somebody coaching me out of it. I think deep down, <laughs> it, I mean, well, let's say, let's say, I'm joking in, in one way that it was no thought. There was a lot of thought because I actually knew that I was going to change my my financial status. I was going to change social status. I was going to change the amount of social events I could go to. You said missing dinners. I know about missing dinners, not not because I had no time, because I had no money. You know, like. And I realized then, that, yeah. why am I making this choice? But I think teaching called me. You know, I grew up with my mom as a teacher. So my mom was a teacher and I I wanted to be rich because we were broke. You know, we, we we didn't have money. So my thought was like, there's no way I'm going to take that kind of job if that's the kind of job that got me the lifestyle that I had to grow up with. So teaching called me after I was out chasing money. And, um, and I think there's one thing to be said about if, if you've never had a lot is, you know, college for me was easy enough because I grew up with not a lot. So being in college and being a poor college student was no big deal. It was like, I'm used to stretching, stretching whatever I got to work with in the refrigerator, you know? But when you have a, right. 
if you maybe you had a lot and then I got to this engineering job and now I got like a nice apartment in this fancy city. I'm like, man, this is fantastic. And then to make, to think about going backwards is was the hardest feeling. Teaching, I know in my soul was killing me. I should do it. I enjoyed the tutoring I was doing, the teaching on the side I was doing. But I was like, it's not going to let me give me a lifestyle that I want. So what? how do you reconcile right. those two things? How do you reconcile, like, I think I would feel good doing this job, but I won't think I'll live good. And since I want to have a lifestyle that is second to none, I'm I, going to this job that's going to barely pay me enough to maybe just pay the rent and maybe the insurance on my car. And maybe like, I was just like, how is that going to work? You know? Um, I think sometimes teacher people who don't understand teaching things. Teachers get paid for the whole year. You get paid for 10 months. So two months of the year, you don't even get paid and you have to figure out, well, how do I survive two months with no money coming in? Do I got to get a side job? And so people in their minds, because they don't know education, they don't know. They like, well, you get paid, you get a free vacation all summer. I'm like, it's an unpaid vacation unless you take on some extra duties or whatever job. And I think it's just a lack of knowledge of how we really take care of teachers, how we in this country respect teachers. And so it was a hard decision and it was an easy decision. If you could have said, look, let's put you in a vacuum and only focus on happiness and joy and passion and purpose, that job decision would have been quick like that. No problem. But if you have to factor in all the other things, lifestyle, living, paying rent, live you know eating <laughs> like if and i like to eat you know what I'm saying? like I, I think there's certain things about just life you know that's important right? <laughs> like it was like that, that was a harder decision to make so when you factor in all the things if you could just go and work for your passion great and people you know lots of people are writing these books that oh just live your passion and you'll never have to work a day in your life well teaching is hard work even though i loved it even though and if it doesn't pay well it adds extra stress when you get out of the car every morning like, can I make, do I have enough gas to get to work? What's going to happen with this bill that keeps, that, you know, I keep getting these new bills. And I'm like, I can't only, I only got, I only get paid once a month. So I got to stretch this whole month out, you know, engineering, I got mm. paid every week. Every week there was new money popping in the bank account, right? As a teacher once a month. So now I'm like, oh, how do I budget a month worth of money? It was just, it was a whole new world for me, but I, but I'm clear that it's where I'm supposed to be. I think I'm without a doubt. I think I've, over these last, you know, 20 years. Now I'm not in the classroom anymore. I, I left teaching to come and run this organization to grow it, to build it. Because I think deep down, the teaching was just a, 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 a launching pad for me finding how I want to help make the world better for the kid and right. me who, who people sometimes didn't see. Because I was a, I had a good shell, I had a good mask. I had a good shell, right? <laughs> but inside I was, I was, all kinds of sad and, and afraid and worried sometimes. And and that stuff comes out sideways. See, like when we talk about that metaphor of the orange juice, when you squeeze it, like this coming out, when when stuff would happen, there was a lot of rage inside of me of anger and fear and sadness. But I most times didn't show it. I just put on this like, hey, everything's fine. And every once in a while, something would happen. And then it would be a lot of that stuff coming out. And most times with our young people today, you know, in California, marijuana is legal. So look, if if you got a homie who can hook you up, you can just numb away all the things that you don't want to feel. Man, I don't want to feel this stress and this worry about life. And so if kids are coming to school high, lots of kids are coming to school high because no one can smell it on them. I mean, when I was a teacher, if you came to a high, I could smell it usually. Or you had to have a change of clothes because, you know, your eyes going to be all red because you, you high high. Now the high is like you eat a piece of candy 
and you come to school and you're out of you're zombed out of your mind. And I'm like, hey, are you are you with me today? Hey, what's going on? What's happening? And you realize this kid ain't even hearing what you're saying. They they, they can't even focus. And that's what we no. see today happening in our schools all over. And so teachers, because I can't prove it, I don't have any proof. I have to just assume that um, maybe I can't say something about it. But what do I say? If What do I say if I really feel like something's going on with you? And I think that's what's happening. You know, I've, I've, I went to one school where we did a program there. Young man had his head down. He was like laying down. I'm like, hey, man, you know, you, you can't sleep right here. Lunchtime just ended. I know you probably ate some, you know, maybe ate some food that are got you feeling heavy, but I need you awake. And he said he set his head up and I'm like, hey, man, you, you can't sleep, brother. You can't sleep right now. Go wash your face. Come back. I let him go wash his face. He came back and he, I realized he was he was out of it. Now, I'm making assumptions about what he had done, but I could tell you as a person who has seen many things in my life, it was not his food. <laughs> it was not a it was not like that burger had just settled in. and He was he was not there. And I'm like, oh, man. And so I had a moment of like trying to figure out as, as a teacher, what do you do? I, I took a breath. I backed off. I came back to it. I thought about it. At the end of class, I just told everyone, I said, hey, folks, I don't know what you all do at lunchtime. I don't know what you spend your time doing or what resources you have to do other things that are not, you know, academically related here. But I need you to come to school, cool school and come to this class with a cool head, with a clear head. There's no way we can talk about real stuff if you're going to come in inebriated in any way you know if you are if you do substances on your own time and i know what community i'm in i'm not gonna be i'm not naive they can't play that just please don't do it here and at lunchtime you should be focused on finishing the second half of your day uh, and, I, and i would see the kids you know in that area in the parking garage over there smoking over there blah 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 vape you know it's like and i we have a community where we have for adults it makes it easier and for kids it also makes it easier to to just zoom out, numb out. And, um, and I, I think there's sometimes you, you can see some things they've been through and you can see why they want to numb out, but I don't know that that's the solution. I don't know that that's the best way. So part of our work is always how we educate them. What, what, what other ways can you navigate these things you're going through in a healthy way? You know? So that's part of our work too, is giving these young people tools. Okay. I, I, I have some goals in life. Okay. But there's all these barriers. Okay, let's name all the goals and let's name all the barriers and let's find, let's create like some strategies around the barriers or over the barriers or under the barriers or how do we get, how do we move the barriers out of the way, right? I think life is a mixture of barriers and opportunities and challenges. But if the barriers are so big, I can't see the opportunities, then I could just be stuck behind this barrier for the rest of my life. And I think what we're trying to do is say, can we look around this barrier? Can we just look around it? Can we just, just take a peek around it to what you would really want to happen, even though right now in this moment you got this seeming insurmountable thing in front of you, and I, and I think how do we help them? How do we paint pictures of stories of people who have overcome other barriers and other challenges? And I know that perhaps you could too. And I, I'm not trying to like be toxically positive. <laughs> I don't want to be like you can do it. Don't worry about your problems. <laughs> well, if you live in the house with your problems and you hang out with the problems all day long, it, it may seem like impossible to do that. So how about we be more thoughtful about how we help young people find their solutions? I'm not here to find their solutions for them. I'm just here to explore what what solutions they can see potential, you know? And that's how we try and work the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you had, you filled in this like form and you asked, you put down like a couple <laughs> of questions you wanted to be asked. And so I wanted to ask you like, how did growing up without a father affect your 
you know, progression and through childhood and, you know, this teenage years that you're like working so closely with now. Yeah. You know, I, sometimes I was, when I, when I saw that question, I was like, Hmm, do I want to, well, cause I think that ultimately it is a part of me. And I think I've been working as a, for a long time to, to take that, that past story and use it as a, as a, as a scar and not a wound. I think for a lot of my, a lot of time in my life, my father not being there was a wound, meaning every time I thought about it, talked about it, it would bring up some deep emotions. Kind of like if you have a wound, you know, thinking about it metaphorically, like a doctor, you like, you got to keep addressing that so it can become a scar. And you're like, oh, that was that thing. So today I think, you know, as I look back growing up, you know, my mom did the best she could, you know, but my mom's not a man either. My mom, my mom is a woman. So how does she teach her little boy how to be a man? Well, she can tell him, tell me the things she wants me to do and, and how she wants me to be like, this is the way I want you to do it. This is the way you should do it. This is the way, but how do I do that? The, the how to's were missing the, the aspirational, how you mm. should show up in the world. Like I used to tell stories with my hands. I would come home and I would tell my mom this story and she would like, she would hit me. She'd be like, stop moving your hands around like that. Because in my community, if you're a man and you have all these mannerisms, people would think you're feminine. And then, so she's a woman trying to raise a boy who's who emotes a lot because why? I'm always watching her. And she's my only a model of how to tell a story. And she tells a story with her hands. And so I tell stories <laughs> with my hands. And she'll be mad at me. And I was like, what's wrong with you? What, why are you hitting me? Like, And I couldn't get it. And I think that it was because I had no other model. And so therefore I grew up a mama's boy. And I think that the not having my father there, I think, is a is an emptiness there. There's an emptiness there. There's a there's part of yourself that you don't get to see how to be. How do you get to be that? So I was around my cousins a lot, and they would be saying, talking about stuff, doing stuff, and I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know how to do any of that. I can't do a willy. I can't play basketball. Like there was nobody throwing balls with me. I mean, every once in a while I play with my cousins, but my uncle, but he was he was always the sports star, so he he didn't really teach us how to play. If you couldn't play get off the court. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, so it's like, really? okay, yeah. I can't, where do I, where do you learn? Where do you start learning these things? Playing baseball. My, my mom, they, I'll tell you one story. Um, There was a YMCA here in Oakland that I got to be a part of and they were having this base, baseball league during the summer. And I was like, oh, I want to play baseball. So my mom signed me up. It was going to be free. You just had to buy the uniform. And so my mom went to the store and got this stuff, got the cleats, blah, blah, blah. I show up to the first game. Now, I don't know how I didn't go to any practices. I had no glove to go to practices. I go to the first game, borrow a glove, and I'm wearing football cleats at a baseball game. Now, I don't, my mom doesn't know their football cleats. I don't even know their football cleats. I'm wearing red sweats. The, the, the uniform is pinstripe, white pants with red pinstripes. My mom bought me red sweats. And I literally walk out in the field. <laughs> And I'm like, something is wrong here. I, I wish there was a picture. There was no cell phones back then. I, I wish there was a picture of that because that kid, something's up. Like, if you took a picture of that field and watched those players, mm. you'd be like, I got this one kid. He's the biggest kid out there wearing football cleats and sweats while the rest of the team, like, it, it was just a, and so it, it's a symptom. It's a small little thing. It's a story I get to tell, but it's also like, how's it, how do you think? I mean, that made me feel like, that was a painful moment. And actually, yeah, I haven't told that story in a while. Actually, I pretended like it didn't matter. Like I pretended mm. like I'm in the outfield 
every time I walked, run past the outfield to the infield to, you know, when they changed batters, the other team was laughing. And I just like pretended like it didn't matter. But it did. Now, my mom did the best she could, right? She, Shannon, we didn't have money. That one hit me today. Um, Give me one second. Give me one second. That one hit me today. Yeah. I've told that story. I haven't told that story in a long time. It hit me today. Because I think that deep down, when we work with young people and we talk to them about what their struggles are, a lot of people can see the big struggle. Okay, you didn't have a father growing up. Okay, I can see there's some bigger struggles in there. But there's a there's all the small little things along the way that you sometimes can't explain to people. Like you, like I try and tell somebody a story like that, they may get the story, but they can't get all the things that had to happen within me to feel the sense of embarrassment for hours. And then for weeks after, mm. as people re- remind everybody else of the story, and I just laugh it off like, ah, ha, ha, yeah, whatever. I didn't know my mom. She didn't know my mom messed up, blah, blah, blah. And I'm trying to like make it fun. But guess what? That was a, a, a deep sense of like what I lacked. I lacked having somebody who could help me figure these things out. Right. And so I think that's where it is. I mean, I think when I, when I think about it, like sometimes some of the pieces are still wounds, right? Some of the scenes, most of my life, I didn't talk about any of it. I just stuffed it away, stuffed it away. And I began to like, you know, in college, I didn't drink. I I just, I was an eater. You know, it was all you can eat in college. You know, when I got to a job and I had money as an engineer, I started drinking and I started partying every weekend. And I'm talking about every weekend. We didn't, I didn't miss parties. You know what I'm saying? I miss going out. And so I realized that a lot of those things that from a lot of my life, I just numbed them away. I, so when I talk about young people about numbing them away, I didn't, there was no, I wasn't using drugs growing up, but I knew about numbing them with food. I knew about numbing them with sweets. I knew about numbing them with other substances, right? And I think that it was just me like looking back sometimes like, oh yeah, that was a, that was a moment. That was a challenging moment, you know, but it's a funny one. And it's, I mean, I can't imagine what I looked like out there. I I, I can, I got sometimes part of the story is funny. And then when I go to the deeper part of it, it's like, oh, wow, that was, that was a challenging moment to to deal with, you know? So I think that, yeah, that's what I think about growing up. I mean, it was, there's a lot of stories in those, but it was, it's my journey. It's my journey. And when, so when did you feel like you started to have like solutions for people? Yeah. I, I don't think that when, when I started, when I started teaching, and I started seeing those young men when I started the Ever Forward Club. I don't think I came to them with like, I have solutions. I think I came to them as I was confused why they were failing my class. Why are you failing my class? Why are you failing out? You're a smart kid. You're failing my class. I like you. I'm not your enemy. What's going on? And so I don't think I came to them with like, here, I got some solutions for you. I was saying, help me understand you better so I can better be a teacher for you so you can pass this class. And I think what the solutions began to come out during those lunchtime meetings, that's how the Ever Four Club started, was like they were walking around like I used to walk around, like everything was fine. And they didn't have a, they didn't have a place where anybody was willing to let them talk about what they really felt and not shame them for feeling those ways. And so the Ever Forward Club began to be that space. I started the Ever Forward Club in 2004. I didn't join my own men's team for my own self until 2010. Like something intuitively in me knew that Mm. it was important for them to talk about it, but I had never really seen it done before. So 
I think it was me just kind of like learning through their experiences, like seeing, look, look, you are brilliant. I can tell how brilliant you are, but you're failing my class. We got to figure a solution around that. So that's how it happened. The Everfor Club 2004 was when those meetings started. And you've mentioned fast forward, 2015, we were in this documentary called The Mask You Live In, right? So I think if, if I think about that activity that we did in the documentary with those masks, that was like that, you know, that they say that was 10 years of nine years of like of trying things with young people that came out in that documentary of like, okay, something is something's not working with these young men, but let me try something new. And when I did that mask activity is when that next chapter. So when I think about now, I think about the solution or I think the mask concept is very beautiful as a way of you know talk about what's happening behind what people can see on the outside, you know? Yeah. Can you share what the mask concept is about? I would imagine you know, someone listening would like yeah, to have some context here. Um, so the mask is um, a three-step process. It is, if you think about three steps, the first is draw a mask. Um, actually, I got one here. The front of the mask is what are the things that I let the world see about me? The front of the mask is what I let people see. So this per can you read these? I think they're written in, are they in reverse? Yeah. Yeah, I can read that. Oh, it looks good. Front of the mask, draw a mask, three qualities about yourself that you let people see. And it's got the smiley face with cheerful, engaged, helpful. And then you have the back of the mask, which are what three qualities do you not, don't usually let people see. And it says struggling, struggling, angry, yeah. angry and anxious. And there's a 33 year old male from Oakland. And, then, and so we make masks with people all over the world. We invite people to um, participate in this three-step process. We have a website that's been built to like let people around the world make masks. So they don't, they don't have to worry about having a card in their hand. It's a millionmask.org, millionmask.org. And I think that what we've seen with masks from people all over the world is that when people recognize that, oh, I'm not alone. Like we operate in the world in a way that we sometimes think that no one else could possibly understand what we're going through. I, I heard one of my um, a friend recently talk about, she called, um, there's this concept called the fallacy of uniqueness. And the fallacy of uniqueness says, mm -hmm. oh, there's no one like me. So therefore I think that when I'm going through a struggle, since I'm unique and no one's like me, then no one could possibly understand what I'm going through. So therefore I better keep it to myself because I'm, my problems are also unique, but what we've found and what we keep seeing in this, in this movement is that so many people are going through similar things, but we've all got good about what's on the front. We all got good about being funny and happy and athletic and cool. And I'm always smiling and all those things. And what happens on the back is all these things that people just don't feel anybody could understand because everyone else is smiling and happy and cool and smart and talented. And, and we, we oftentimes may just kind of continue doing that even with people we say we care about or we think care about us and that's what we're trying to do so our goal is to collect a million masks from around the world and that's a long way a long way to go we're probably at close to seventy-five thousand right now um but we're starting a global campaign a, a growth campaign right now called the global champions so we're inviting people all over the world to just commit to inviting five people to make a mask and then after they have a conversation with those mm -hmm. five people invite those five people to invite five people and we're hoping that this this growth opportunity for people to say, who are the people I care about? If I only got two people, then maybe it's just two people. We're not asking people to talk to strangers. We're not asking them to talk to 
go out on the street and talk to people, asking them people you care about. Who are, who are the five people who you care about, love, love you, and invite them to make a mask. And then we're so that's our that's our next step. Is like how do we grow this? I don't really know. Like we've been we've been working hard doing workshops and assemblies and things like that. But to get to a million masks is going to take another effort, a different level of uh, a growth. You know. Yeah. 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 So what is the, what is the aim of your, is it a foundation? Is that what you call this or what do you call like the, yeah, it's, Ever a, it's a nonprofit. It's a nonprofit like organization. Um, we are, we don't call ourselves a foundation. I think um, we, we don't have money to give to nobody. We don't, so don't, <laughs> if you have, if you have money out there, you can give money to us, but we usually foundations. I think people are like, they go to for money. What we're hoping to do yeah, is yeah. we're hoping to just be a, a catalyst of change in our community. Right. We want to be, an organization that is known that we care about people, um, that we we try and give our best to people. We we want the world to be better, and we start with our young people, and the young people are affected by all the adults in our world who sometimes are not willing to let young people fully feel. And so our our work is really educating teachers yeah. and parents and administrators. So our vision this year is to get more schools participating in the Million Mask Movement, more more teachers bringing it into their classroom and realizing, oh, there is more going on than I can see. Oh, this this kid may not just be goofing off because yeah. he doesn't care about math or science or history or whatever class. Maybe he's just trying to make light of everything because of how heavy things are for him, you know? Yeah. Or maybe you see a young man who you think has anger issues, but maybe or what I see is a young man who he was taught that anger is a good cover-up for all those other emotions because no other emotions are welcome. And so therefore, anger will get you respect. Well, it may maybe be afraid of you, but in some communities, if people are afraid of you, that's a level of respect. And so what, what happens is a, mm-hmm. just a perpetual cycle of just unhealthy behaviors that show up. Yeah, yeah. So one of the aims of my podcast, which is called People of Purpose, is to help people like find their purpose and then like fulfill it and take these like courageous leaps to do that. What advice do you have for someone that, you know, isn't quite living aligned to their purpose, but they kind of see it and they feel it and they sense it? You're a person that has obviously made that jump. How how do you help people like uh, traverse that gap between like where they are now that's kind of like living misaligned to like living fully aligned on fire and passionate and all the things that you're feeling mm, in, in the work that you question. have. question. Um, here, here's what my, rec- you know, here's what my recommendation would be to people who are in that place. Maybe you just got to get your foot in the water. Like I, I, I don't really think anybody to maybe do it how I did it. Like I didn't prepare. I didn't, I didn't put, I didn't pack away a savings plan and then say, let me go become a teacher. I, I probably didn't do it the most smart way. <laughs> I did it the way that made made sense to me in the moment. It was like, there's this grad school position opening up. There's a spot. I applied. I got in. All right. And I got to teach that. I, I jumped in two feet with not much life preserved, you yeah. know? Um, but I think that um, what did you get to just start testing the water of the thing that co- makes you come alive? I was clear when I started tutoring that I was not tutoring because I really wanted to tutor. I was tutoring because my friend needed a math tutor on Saturday mornings. And remember, I told you I was partying all the time. So Saturday mornings, I don't even know what Saturday mornings look like. You told you I'm not a morning person. Saturday mornings? Are you crazy? Like, I don't even wake up. I don't even wake up till noon on Saturdays. You know what I mean? So he asked me to come tutor on Saturday mornings. And I had to make a sacrifice. And so, but when I went there, that tutoring, it called me. It was like, oh, this is amazing. And then when I realized what I was doing is teaching, and I had made a commitment at 15 years old that I would never be a teacher, 
I ran from it. And so that's what I really feel about it. So I think, oh, deep down, when I go to that place of like, what what makes you come alive? You may be like, oh, I can't do that because I ain't going to pay my bills. I got maybe you already have responsibilities, a kid's family, a mortgage. Maybe you can't just walk away from an engineering job to go become a teacher. My my salary dropped by 66 percent. 67 if you round up, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it was like, what are you doing? Why would you do that to yourself? Like it, it doesn't make logical sense. But I'm clear 20 years later that it makes all the sense in the world of not going to work miserable every day. Now, there's a one thing about going to work, enjoying my work, and then having to go home and face the the mailbox of things that I'm having to struggle with. So there was not like a, every day was like, yay, I've made it. Purpose is beautiful. Some days it was like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Are you stupid? That's what I would say to myself. This is what I would say to myself in the mirror. And most of them not in the mirror, just sitting at the table with all these envelopes that are, I don't want to open because I think it was it was challenging. So I think that <laughs> I invite people to find their heart in the in the situation. How often do we listen to our heart compared to our head? I think a lot of people run around in their heads all the time. And so I I wish people would find that thing that makes them come alive. There, Howard Thurman says this quote, he says, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do that. Because what the world needs is more mm. people who have come alive. And I'm so glad that mm. I was in a position at that time to, I, I had no kids. I had no mortgage. I had a, just a beat up truck. I was already paid off. And when I made that transition, transition to teaching, I was able to survive it, even though it was hard. Um, and so I invite people to find, start testing the water, the things that you feel would make you come alive. And I'm clear that every day, as I tell the story, looking back, those weren't fun moments, but I'm clear that those were the moments that strengthened me in the journey. And, um, and now today, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to change the world in other ways, right? Um, I thought I was going to change the world by building big buildings and skyscrapers around the world. And I think I've uh, made my calling that I'm going to change the world by helping build great minds and voices of of young people who are going to change the world. Yeah. That's a wonderful way to change the world. Do you think it's happening? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, the young men that were in our program 20, 2004, those young men, I have a picture of us on, on them on my couch in my classroom. You know, they're, they're engineers, they're fathers, they're business owners, they're police officers, they're, they're, they're doing all mm-hmm. kinds of things. And I get to, and they're in their thirties right now. So it's like, wow. Like, oh my goodness. Like they're, they're adults. They were, they were 15 years old when we started working with them, 14. And now they're adults. And if nothing else, it changed the legacy for that life. Right. And that person whose life got changed can help change the life of the kids and, and their kids, kids and their kids, kids. So I think uh, every once in a while, when I allow myself to be proud of myself, I am. Um, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for their trust. I'm grateful for the willingness to go through the hard times my own self. And and um and I'm so proud mm-hmm. of the work that these young people have done. Cause I think I just, you know, I didn't come to them with answers. I came to them with questions and and they found the answers. And um that's that's been beautiful to watch. Absolutely. So uh if someone's listening, they want to get connected to what you're doing, like how do you recommend yeah, people you know, plug in? I'll say the first thing to do. I believe in this quote when my mentors from afar says, time is more valuable than money. And so I'm going to ask you for some time. If you go to millionmask.org, take those three steps, make a mask. And if you feel inspired after you made your mask to share it, 
do that if they're anonymous so you don't have to share it but maybe you invite somebody in your life who you care about to make a mask too and maybe you all have a conversation and maybe that conversation will be a catalyst of of conversation that never happened before or that you've been waiting to happen forever and maybe if those conversations get inspired then you say you know what let's support that organization that helped us have this deeper conversation and so you know, we if, if you're a person who's like, you know, I don't got no time, but I'll give money, then, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll gladly put your resources to good use. And you can go to our website, um, everforwardclub.org. If you're on social media, follow us, everforwardclub. And we everywhere you can find us is everforwardclub. All together, no spaces. And um, and my work is at Branch Speaks. Uh, but stay in touch. See what we're doing. I, we invite everyone. Our, our first ask, I guess, is our people to make a mask. And then when they feel that experience, those three steps, it's it's a very simple process, but it's not always easy. We don't assume it to be easy. And so we would have thought it would have went viral a long time ago, right? That somebody would have been like, yes, I'm going to make a mask. And oh my God, everyone's going to make a mask. But we're asking people to do something kind of like anti-social media. We're asking them to be honest. We're asking them to take off the facade. We're asking them to be real. And I think social media sometimes doesn't lend itself to that type of it's, it, it lends itself to creating the profile, keeping the profile neat, making sure that all the things look good in alignment. It doesn't often lend itself to like me crying on a podcast where I'm talking about having football cleats at a baseball game, right? Because by now you should be over that, mm-hmm. right, Ashanti? You, you, were, you were a teenager then. Why are you not over that by now? Well, if you don't understand how the things that happen inside of us sometimes don't get dealt with, they're waiting they're waiting for the right moment. And so we want to just make people more aware. I think we have a, com- a country and sometimes that it's a lot, and a lot of judgment, a lot of judgment. And they judge what you see on the outside. And there's a lot of people hurting out there who are hurting other people. <laughs> they're hurting inside. They're, they're, they're inside. They're like the orange. They're, 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 or, it's coming out. What's in them is coming out. And they're going to have to make a decision about how they change that, you know? Um, so we were just like, always in a journey of trying to find ways of helping people see each other more whole and more human and more loving. That's what I hope. Mm. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing and lending your time to us today. And I really hope that this inspired at least one person to maybe uh, open up that dialogue about masks with someone and do their mask and just help them to just be more real with themselves and those around them Foster healing. Yeah. All and purpose things. and passion, right? Thank you. Thanks for the question. I mean, a beautiful question. I appreciate that. I, I wasn't I, I didn't know I was gonna I wasn't I was gonna hit hit the I didn't know I was gonna hit that bone today. But uh I'm glad. And that's part of the being fully human, right? Being fully alive, right? Like mm-hmm. where do we have those places where we can be fully alive? And I think that that's what I'm really excited about. So thank you for making time today. Thanks for your patience this morning. And you know, as in this journey of like helping young people, we if there's any young people or parents, teachers, please make room for those young people to tell you how they feel. And, and before you decide that you want to tell them they don't feel that way or they shouldn't feel that way, maybe you just reflect back mm-hmm. to the times in your life where people didn't let you feel what you felt. You know, I could go deeper. I am thankful for this opportunity and I appreciate you. And I'm um, looking forward to staying connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, you Shanti. So what actionable step are you going to take next? Do you have a lingering question? Or is there something we can help you work through to figure out and reach your purpose? People of Purpose is here for you. 
Just send us an email or a message on Facebook. If you want continued inspiration, subscribe to the podcast and soak in the stories and words of our insightful guests. Do you have any friends that might enjoy this podcast? Bring them on board as a podcast subscriber. And if you want to actually see the guests behind the voices, as well as receive daily inspiration, follow the podcast and journey on Instagram at People of Purpose Podcast or at People of Purpose on Facebook to join our purpose-seeking community. By joining, you will know the minute each new episode is published, hear first about upcoming People of Purpose news, and receive regular tidbits of inspiration I'm purposely perusing, pursuing, and pondering. It's simply a regular dose of goodness, intentionally filtered by me to nourish your path to purpose. Lastly, if you like this podcast, please post a review wherever you listen to it. Doing so will not only help us to grow, but will also allow your voice to be heard, and who knows who you could inspire. Cheers, and here's to becoming.